Mike O'Dell, who is one of our pastor elders, he's going to come and bring the word this morning. And so we're so glad that that we can hear from him. Mike. Good morning. morning. You all hear me all right? Okay. Thank you for allowing me to speak for you this morning. Uh, Thank you, Zach, for introducing and uh, helping us through the memory verse this morning. Okay, I'm going to do a little bit of a technical... uh, All right, we're on and we're working. That's good. Okay. Did you all bring your Bibles this morning? I brought my big old Bible. I've had this since I was a teenager. And we're going to actually flip through some scriptures this morning. So keep that ready if you would. Okay? Um, So, as Zach mentioned, again, my name is Mike O'Dell. I'm filling in for Aaron this morning. Uh, as, as he and a group of guys are in the Ukraine on a yearly mission trip over there, doing some training with Travisky Christian Institute over there. Um, and so we're praying that they have a safe venture and a safe return uh, over there. Um, and as also, as Zach mentioned, today is Palm Sunday, obviously talking about the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem prior to his crucifixion. One week before Easter, he is risen. He is risen indeed. indeed. Amen. All right, very good. Pray with me, if you would. Heavenly Father, we are here this morning, God, because we have a desire to serve you. Uh, We are here because of your amazing gift that you have blessed us with. And Lord God, we ask that as we go through your word, that you would speak to each one of us and help us, God, to... Uh, fulfill our purposes for you. Uh, Lord God, we praise you. It's in your name, the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Okay, as Zach mentioned, uh, we've been working through this series called Get a Grip on God's Word. And through the course of this study, we have asked several questions. Uh, Aaron addressed the first two questions during the first two weeks of this study. Number one, what is the Bible? And number two, where did it come from? Last week, Zach talked about how do we use the Bible. And this week, we're going to finish up this series by asking, why do we need the Bible? Okay. Um, So, Zach already led us through our memory verse, which is 2 Timothy 3.17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This verse obviously goes along very well with 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse 16. Uh, They go along together, and they say together, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And what I, I particularly like the Good News Bible translation of this, these two verses, and you can see them up here on the screen, and that, those read just a very unique description, and it says that all Scripture is inspired by God, and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instructions for right living, so that the person who serves God may be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. Okay? Isn't that what we're here for? We're here to learn about His Word, to prepare us to do His will. Amen? Okay. Now, as we begin to talk about why we need the Bible... When we ask that question, 
we could ask that question in another way by asking this question. Why should we trust that this book is the one true source that can prepare us for the work that God himself wants us to do? And the answer to that question is very simple. Because the Bible is absolute truth. Do you believe that this morning? Yes. Let's talk about that. We know from talking about where, the, where it came from that it's a book that was written by 40 different authors over a period of over 1,500 years, 66 books, three different languages, and on three different continents. One internet source says this collection of books, books shares a common storyline, which is the creation... Is this thing falling? Does this thing keep going down? I feel like I'm getting shorter as I'm speaking. Now, one or the other, I don't know. Common storyline, which is the creation, fall, and redemption of God's people... These books have a common theme, which, are, which is God's universal love for all of humanity. They have a common message, which is the fact that salvation is available to all who repent of their sins and commit to following God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the Bible never contradicts itself. These 66 books contain no historical errors or contradictions. Various people claim to find contradictions, but they have to take verses out of context to do so. When looking at the Bible as a whole and understanding its teachings, there are no contradictions. This is amazing. Oh, I'm having technical difficulties, guys. Sorry about that. This is amazing when one considers the length of time and methods of its writings, but not surprising at all considering that it is, in fact, the Word of God, who is the same then, now, and forever. Amen? Amen. There are many books written about and by various religions, but the Bible is the one which claims to be the actual words of God. Those of us who believe the Bible believe that God inspired various people through the years to write down his actual words for mankind. The Bible says more than 3,000 times, thus saith the Lord. It claims that the words which follow that statement are quotes from God himself. The Bible is accurate historically, geographically, theologically, and prophetically. It has proven itself to be the one source for absolute truth. So if I gave you a challenge this morning, and if I said, I want you to choose 39 people and include yourself as person number 40, and I want you to write a book, okay? You and, all, and those 39 different people, the 40 of you together, are going to write a book. Now the key is, is that you can have no communication whatsoever with those 40 people, Okay? Um, you can choose whoever you want to, but you cannot communicate with them in any way, shape, or form about what you're going to write. Okay? When you're done, we're going to take those books and we're going to put them all together. All right? And then we're going to proofread them, and they have to be accurate. They have to be perfect. They have to be, number one, on the same topic okay? that you were not able to discuss beforehand okay? or while you were writing it. And then they have to be free of any type of errors. You think you could do it? It would be impossible, right? Except for 
God. Okay? The Bible did this very thing. It took 40 different authors, not only guys that, that, that um, knew each other. These guys didn't even know each other. They didn't live on the same continent. A lot of them didn't speak the same language. Okay? And God, in his amazing power, took those guys and inspired them to write this holy book. Okay? The Bible is the only book that is worthy of us to consider as the source of God's preparation for us as Christians. God shows us that he is with us in his word. All right, let's get into this book here. Turn with me, if you would, to John, the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at chapter 1. There's something about flipping through the pages of this big old Bible that uh, is just kind of cool. You're welcome to follow along on your tablet or however you like to read your Bible, but I'm just... And there are Bibles. Thank you, Larry. Yes, there are Bibles if you need them. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says, In the beginning was, what? The Word, okay? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God in the beginning. Who's He talking about? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, the light of shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And if we jump down to verse number 14, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So right here, John is telling us that God and Jesus Christ and this Word are one. They are one. They are synonymous. God is right here with us in this book. Amen? We've all had moments in our life when we've wondered, where's God? Guess what? He's right here. He's right here in this book. If you need his guidance, look for it here. Amen? Uh, There was a time a few years ago, this is a little bit of a, a silly example, but a time a few years ago where I was at a crossroads in my life, And I had a a simple choice to make. Should I stay or should I go? Neither choice was bad. um, And so I decided to seek God's guidance. And so I looked for that in the Bible. I did it a little bit in an unorthodox way, if you will. I took this big old Bible right here, and I took it and I set it on on the desk, on a table, with the binding flat on the table, pages facing up. And I said, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. Okay? So I took it, and I let it go. And I let the pages fall. All right? And then, without looking, I closed my eyes, and I pointed to a verse. And I'll never forget the verse that I pointed to. It was Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 4. And you know what it said? It said, keep your post. Now, I don't know if that was coincidental or not, but I took that as a pretty good sign at the time that God really kind of wanted me to stay where I'm at, where I was, okay? We did end up moving from that place a little bit later, but for the time being, we were there. Now, I'm not here to tell you that that's going to, that that would ever work for me again, (laughs) okay? 
I'm not here to tell you that that would ever work for you. As a matter of fact, I'm not suggesting that you use this flip and drop uh, method for all of your decision-making needs. Okay? Let's say, let's, let's use an example. Let's, and, and this is hypothetical, of course, because um, let's say that you're having trouble with, with someone at work. And, of course, we know that that never happens. You never have any trouble with anybody at work. None, your coworkers all love you, and you never have any trouble with any of them. And so you're using this flip-through method. And, uh, oh, yeah, let's see, I'll flip through and look. Oh, okay, let's see, how do I deal with this person? Oh, scourging. Okay, that would be good, right? Um, or flip a few more pages. Uh, oh, there's a flogging. That would work. Okay. So on my way to work, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pick up. Um, uh, oh, here's stoning as well. So I'm going to pick up a few rocks. Okay. And maybe a really big stick to deal with this situation at work. So maybe that's not the way to do things. Okay. But let's look over here. Let's, let's use a, a, a real life scripture example. Okay. If we turn over to the book of Mark. Excuse me, Matthew. If we turn over to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, what does it say? It says, Jesus is speaking, and he says that you have heard it said that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that sounds fair, right? That sounds like a fair and just way that I should deal with this person at work, right? So if you were to stop right there and not read any further, you'd be justified in picking up those rocks and a really big stick on your way to work, right? Okay, but what does verse 44 say? It says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What did he just tell me? I have to be nice to this person that I don't like? Okay, that doesn't make any sense. I, th- uh, I, 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 th- I think I'll just stick with verse 43. <laughs> okay. As a matter of fact, I might go back to verse 38, which says, eye for an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And then I start looking around for my stick. All right? So, we need Scripture, do we not? Okay. But is that the way to use Scripture? Scripture out of context is, is an epidemic at times. And it is not the way that we are to use Scripture. All right? I've heard some people describe being spoken to by the voice of God or having a dream or vision that told them what to do. While I'm not here to credit or discredit those experiences, what I will say is that those experiences will never contradict the Scripture if they are authentic. Amen? Amen. Yeah. We've got to look to the Scripture, guys, to know what God wants us to do. People justify all kinds of sin Using scripture, okay? Don't take it out of context. It gets us into a lot of trouble, all right? 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, uh, or excuse me, let me back up a little bit. Galatians 1, chapter 8 says that if even an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than, one, other than the one preached to you by the apostles, let him be under a curse, all right? Then 1 John 4, 1 says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And how do we test them? With Scripture, with His Word. 
That being said, what I will say is that I cannot tell you how many times I've been reading the Bible just in the course of my daily reading, and I've come across a passage that applies directly to something that I've been dealing with in my life at the time. Have you had that happen to you? Absolutely. The Bible is an excellent source and should be our go-to source for direction in our lives. God uses the Bible to prepare us for all situations that are part of life today. And that, friends, is point number three. God uses the Bible to prepare us for this life. Okay? Let's look at some scriptures that God has used to prepare us and equip us for life today. Specifically, let's look in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is an excellent book for showing us how to live a good and godly life. For sake of time, I'm going to uh, leapfrog through the book of Ephesians. But please take a moment to read it in its entirety when you can. Chapter 2 tells us, if you want to flip over to the book of Ephesians, you can kind of flip through as I uh, go through these points quickly. Starting in chapter 2, Paul tells us to remember that, what, that we were separate from Christ without hope and without God in the world. Verse 14 of chapter 2, he tells us that Christ himself is our peace. He goes on in chapter 3, verse 16, to say that he prays that we will be rooted in God's love and have God's power. In chapter 4, he talks about Christ ascended on high, but before he did so, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Friends, what he's telling us here, he's telling us that he wants us to be like him. All right? Chapter 4, verse 14 says, We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by every wave and wind of deceitful teaching. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. He wants each one of us here to do our part to grow in his will using his word that we have right here. One of the versions of the Bible that I was using to prepare for this message had a, a headline for this next passage of Scripture that we're going to go through, and it, and, it, and it described it as Instructions for Christian Living. Let's look at some of those instructions. Chapter 4, verse 25 says, Don't lie. Tell the truth. Chapter 429 says, Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Verse 31, Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger. Be kind to each other. Forgive each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Does that mean I have to get rid of my stick and my stones? Pretty much. Chapter 5, verse 3 says, Don't even have a hint of sexual immorality impurity, or greed. 5.18 says, don't get drunk. 22 says, wives, submit to your husbands. 25 says, husbands, love and be good to your wives. Chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents. Verse 4, fathers, be good to your children. Verse 5, he's talking about slaves back at the time, but here I, I interpret this verse of him saying, slaves, serve your masters well. Guess what? People, employers, serve your employer well, okay? As though you are serving the Lord. 
and chapter and verse 10, be strong in the Lord. All of these are excellent ways that the Bible shows how we can live godly lives. And by doing so, I believe we will enjoy life itself more as well. Amen? Don't you think we could solve about half the world's problems with that list we just talked about right there? If each one of us would just commit ourselves to following that list, how much better would our world be? Amazing. And then it goes on to describe the armor of God. Verse 14 says, Stand firm with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet ready with the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul describes himself as an ambassador for Christ. I believe we should all pray that we can all be ambassadors for Christ, speaking his truth fearlessly. GotQuestions.org is an internet source for biblical topics, and although I won't necessarily condone everything that they say on that site, uh, they did have an interesting comment about the book of Ephesians. They say, Paul intended that all who long for Christ-like maturity would receive this writing. Enclosed within the book of Ephesians is the discipline needed to develop into true children of God. Furthermore, a study in Ephesians will help to fortify and to establish the believer so he can fulfill the purpose and calling God has given. Let me encourage you to fulfill the purpose and calling that God is leading you to and that God has given to you. And Ephesians is just one book within God's Word. I believe the entire Bible is here for us to study and to learn uh, about God's will for us. As we said before, the Bible is the one reliable source for guidance through this life that we are living. And so after showing what I believe are good reasons to understand that God's Word is the source for truth and godly living, why else do we need God's Word? Because God, the Bible tells us of God's promises. God promises to bless each one of us in these scriptures. Let's take a look at some of these promises. How about a promise for life on this earth? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 13. It is a little slower going through the the Bible this way, but... uh. All right, here he's making a promise to the Israelites. They were in bondage, they were in trouble, mostly because of their own sins. But God makes them this promise. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found for you, declares the Lord. Okay? Uh, So, 
as I mentioned, I believe that this promise is still, for, still stands for us today. Even though it was given to the Israelites at the time, I believe that if we serve God, that he will bless us in our lives today. And you know what? That's quite a promise coming from God who knows everything about us and knows that we, like the Israelites, are sinners. Okay? We sin in our daily lives, and yet God sees fit to bless us anyway. God gives us a promise Another promise, well, many promises, but the next one I'd like to talk about is a promise of salvation. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 16. What does it say in Mark 16, verse 16? It says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. How's that for a promise? Anyone has access to the mercy of our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. All right? Another promise. He gives us a promise for a new home. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Oops, going the wrong way. John, chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 1. And he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may may be where I am. Isn't that an awesome promise? Uh, No matter what troubles we have in this life, guys, that is something that I always look forward to. All right? And the final promise that we want to talk about this morning is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Starting in verse 16, he says... For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And so, friends, this morning... I just want to encourage you with these words, all right? And as Zach and the worship team prepare to come forward and lead us in the end of our service this morning, let me just encourage you with the promises uh, that God has told us about, that he, he promises to give us. The Lord has proven that his word is accurate, true, and reliable, and therefore we can trust it to know how to live and what we have to look forward to when we go to him or when he comes to take us with him, whichever comes first. I think that for the most part I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but if there are any of you who um, have questions, who for some reason have read these promises, but you've not taken the steps to accept the promise of salvation or to place your faith in him, please talk to us. We're here to help. Whatever we can do to help you, uh, to talk to you more uh, about 
this amazing book uh, to lead you in the promises that God has given, please let us know. Thank you guys for the opportunity to speak to you this morning.